Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. My name is Helen Wolf. My name is Lucy Jones, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. They're the West End witches of Oz that are taking flight in the hit musical Wicked as it celebrates over 15 incredible years at the Apollo Victoria Theatre. From signature makeup to floating bubbles, being cast as Elphaba and Glinda is the journey of a lifetime for these two stars and they're embracing every single moment of it. So here, in an exclusive conversation and to mark the first live and in-person recording of Eleven since the pandemic, we talk flying centre stage to lead as Elphaba and Glinda in the West End production of Wicked. We also talk 15 years of Oz, going green, loyal fans, perfect character arcs and what it's really like getting to sing some of the greatest musical theatre songs of all time. Plus, we try to answer the most important question of all. Good? Bad? Or just misunderstood? It's the delightful Lucy Jones and Helen Wolfe together here now on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. They're the West End Witches of Oz, one good and one misunderstood. I'll let you know which witch is which. So please help me welcome to this, the next episode of... Why are you already smiling and laughing at me? I love it. That was really good. Thank you That was good, yeah. Hi, Lucy Jones, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I feel like we've already messaged up Sorry. Would you introduce me to the lovely lady sat beside you? Absolutely. Uh, I am sat in a studio here with the most wonderful human being who plays Galinda the Good in Wicked. Uh, And I'm thrilled to be working with her. Her name is Helen Wolfe. I paid her 20 quid to say that. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And I should say that actually, Lucy, you are part of a little bit of sort of 11 history because during the pandemic, you were the first podcast that I did that wasn't in person. Mm. So you were the first one that we did in that medium of Zoom, if yeah. you remember that very yeah. strange part of sort of the world. And this is the first in-person podcast that I've done since the pandemic. I, I'm not going to say it's over, but it's sort of past us. So thanks for being part of history. Oh, of well, great. Thanks for having me back. I can't have done too terrible a job the first time. That's no, great. We, we deleted it, but that's fine. That's not <laughs> um, but thank you both of you so much for giving me some of your time today. And it's so nice to be doing it in person and most importantly, celebrating the return of live theatre because even, I think it's like over six months now since the West End officially reopened mm. again and show, shows started coming back. But it just feels very special that we even have the ability to have a connection I think particularly after the last sort of 18 months two years everyone felt so far away and to actually get to be in a room a very big room in your case with a theatre and to get to be able to explore theatre and just lose ourselves in a way that I think we all miss just feels very special so what we're going to do today is just talk about a very very small off off West End show that I think you both might be part of I think it's called Wicked have you heard of that yeah but I don't think it's going to run no I don't think it's not a hit yeah (laughs) I've got to say it's definitely not in its 15th anniversary year sold more tickets I think than any other show basically ever. Can like, you believe? Can you actually million, believe right? that 10 million people have seen the show in London? And how many in London? You? How many times have I seen you it? Nine. 9.9. I, d- <laughs> I don't even know. I can't, I'm embarrassed. I don't even know. But that's not amazing. It just speaks for itself, really. We don't need to sell the show. We don't. It speaks for itself. It is a brand that is so recognisable because it's so consistently fantastic. And you escape to this world of ours, which, like you say, now is more 
enjoyable than ever, I think. Absolutely. And we, let's talk about actually playing these roles to start with, because obviously, Helen, this is a role that you know very well. Mm. So for you coming back after the pandemic and pregnancy, does it feel does it feel the same or different? Oh, hugely different. You know, every time I've come back to the show, it feels different because, you you know, you're in a sea of different faces and 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 every time you, you find something new in the rehearsal process, you know, there's so many layers and elements to our characters that just you it's hard to hard to describe really but they are so wonderful so iconic you you form a new friendship so there's stuff that I will have with Lucy that I I wouldn't have had with previous and perhaps if I was to do it again in the future wouldn't with someone else it's just it just it just goes on and on and on you can't do it with someone else after doing it for me sorry that's this this feels like it needs to be oh sorry like we'll do it now for like maybe six years together (laughs) and then yeah 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 and then we'll call it a day and I'll have a couple of babies and we'll just grow old together okay yeah should we just end the podcast there yeah full stop and scene good luck to <laughs> this is going to be so naughty. Which we said at the start we were going to be well behaved, and already I see why they cast you two together. I mean, do you make it through any shows without one of you at least corpsing one? No. Well? well, I think no, we're pretty we good corpse, though. Actually. No, we are good. We don't corpse, but we have, we have lots of There's moments. A twinkle. You know, sometimes you just see that little twinkle. You know, we twinkle occasionally. Yeah, yeah. But it's good fun. It it keeps it alive for us. Mm. But we're, we're giving the audience the same thing. We're not we're not laughing and ruining oh, it for God, them. No. We we don't we don't do that. Definitely not. But it's uh, yeah we we do have a laugh, don't we? It's fun. We do. Yeah. Lucy, when we spoke way back when, we spoke about your love for this part and this role, and you've been very honest, which so often doesn't happen in this industry about roles that people want to play. You know, sometimes it's incredibly vulnerable to be able to be honest about the fact that I really like that part. I really like that song. I really like that show. I'd like to be part of it question of two halves why were you so honest about the fact you always wanted to play alphabet and i guess to put it out to the world and now you've got it does it live up to what you wanted um really good question because Mm. i was asking myself that question the whole time like why why do i want to do this so much and then when i got it and started doing it like i kept checking in with myself i've kept a diary of how it has felt and i've often said it even to myself I still can't believe I'm doing this and I can't believe how much I love it. And I really do love it. It's it's completely exceeded all of my expectations in many, many ways on stage and off, but also for what it's doing for me as a person to play this role, to be in her boots, you know, and on that broomstick and taking on bits of Alpha books. I feel like I've got bits of Elle and bits of Maureen and bits of Jenna and in me now because you can't play a role for a year and not, not adopt something. some of that yeah. personality. You can't. And and I feel like I'm already getting a bit of alpha in there and like, you know, um the the not letting injustices pass is something that I definitely had before but might have suppressed. But now if I see something happening, maybe to my fault, I'm straight in there and I'm trying to protect what I think is right or good. Which is nice and not so nice. Um but what was the first part of the question? Why was I honest? Oh yeah. Well, why not? I think there's so much bullshit around. There really is, especially with what we do. There really is, you know, playing the game and ducking and diving. And I see that and I don't like it and I don't want to subscribe to it. So I don't really. I mean, I probably do more than I think I do. But why not speak honestly? And hopefully in turn doing so, I'm in a position of privilege here. I might be inspiring someone else to do the same thing or to aspire for something, you know. But also, I don't think it's lost on either of you how sacred and important these roles are to British musical theatre, mm. to the mu- musical theatre scene generally, mm. but also to audiences. They come with an expectation that they want to see a certain thing. They, of course, want to see the, the, your interpretation of it. 
but also it's exciting knowing that the audience is on your side and that these roles are so coveted they are so huge mm. and therefore people come in willing you on it's not like one of those like sounds like I'm sort of being disrespectful to new shows but like it's not the win me over it's I want to go on this journey with yeah. you yeah. and I can imagine for you as an actor that's exciting because you know actually they're going to go with me and I get to bring me to the role yeah absolutely and it's funny when I'm in the bubble at the top of the show you can and, and they've just done the or they're back to the pre-show announcement they obviously dim the house lights a little bit and everyone's like going oh you know like they're mm-hmm. so excited either because they don't know what's about to happen or that they do know what's about to happen and, and for that reason exactly they want to be they want to be there and they want to be there a lot you know yeah, people yeah. come back time and time again yeah I was going to say maybe the podcast sort of medium is not the opportunity for me to admit how many times I've seen this show but I think it'd Go be on. I mean, maybe we won't include this bit, but... Include it. 83? No, don't say out. You said that bit out loud. Did <laughs> you say 83? I can't see. I, maybe. I'm a bit blind. Maybe. That's wow. amazing. In quite a lot of different countries, languages. Yeah, oh, I saw really? the Japanese production. That was really interesting. It's very different. Like, Have wow. you seen the new German one? Is no. It, no. Yes, it is in Germany. The yeah. reimagined version. Yeah. yeah. The costumes look bonkers. And Alphaba yeah. flies out over the audience at Does the end she, of that like one. Mary Poppins? Yeah. Hey, quite fun. literally like Mary Poppins. Wow. Yeah. Just in green. Because you've not got enough to deal with us also. Well, going do you know what I did well. think that? I saw a little bootleg of it. Oh really? And I thought she's ah at the end of that one, she's flung then and they down. She flies out over the audience. And I was like, how, how, how? I'd be like Mixing, mixing, mixing. Oh <laughs> we should have a little road trip. I'd love oh to God, see I'd that. That'd be great fun. Let's make that happen. You referenced the songs in the show there. I mean, one thing that's so great about this show, I think from an audience and a fan perspective, is that every single person that plays these parts obviously sounds different because they're a different human being, but they're also allowed to bring a part of them. Parts where it sits in their voice that feels more organic to them. The fact that there's options that I know that you can have in the show now. I know that the show is very much catered around the people that sing the songs. And it feels like your voice and you as an artist is celebrated. But when you still have to sing those signature songs, there are obviously certain expectations. For you, Lucy, as a singer, as a vocalist, is the pressure on or is that something that you go, I know there's a legacy. Of course, I like the fact there's a legacy with these songs. And I'm going to meet it. How does it play out for you? Yeah, um, it's interesting because it feels it's different. It just I take it, I take on different energies with with regards to that kind of with how I'm feeling or what I've done in the day or you know what I might have because I don't like to. I always say to people, don't read things, don't you know, don't listen to people. But you do see things, and you do. There is an element of expectation with particularly um you know defying gravity and no good deed where people want me to riff and then quite vocal about that and they want alphabas to you know explore and show off and quite frankly I'm not allowed to do that I'm I am singing what's on the page for a very good reason there are like you say options available um and I can choose to take those or not take them uh, generally depending on how I'm feeling on that day but they're within parameters of I'm in a huge musical playing a huge role that is loved and respected all over the world for a very good reason. And I don't want to mess with that. Mm. And I mean, I say that um, I'm I'm that gal that changed up dream to dream after, you know, 35 years. But I was asked to do that by the producers of the show. And so I obliged and I loved it. And that was great fun. And I feel like I am still reinventing the role for myself in the way that I tell the story and through the way that my my vocal kind of prowess is because I'm doing my version of it and nobody's done that before and I think that's probably enough you know there there is an expectation to if you want riff but I will be doing what I am allowed to do and I love that and I love our version of the show 
can you see my questions? Because the next point that I wanted to make was actually going to be around the I Dream to Dream video. Because, oh. <laughs> of course, it made waves online. It became very synonymous with you. And lots of people celebrated it. But it's very unusual for that to be sort of given the green light by a big blockbuster musical. Green light. Green. <laughs> 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 There's a light in here that flashes green. That's why we're laughing. But but that sort of in itself, that moment itself brings an expectation. And I guess it's already a blockbuster music. It's already a blockbuster part. Yeah. So I guess how much do you push out the social media noise and how much do you have to be aware of it even if you don't listen to it? Well, I mean, you, I'm not going to lie to you and say that I completely ignore it and I'm above it all because of course I'm not. I'm a human being and I'm in my 30s. I'm of a generation that spends a lot of time on my phone and I look at things and I read things and I connect with people and I love that. With the I dreamed a dream thing, I, I was once stopped in the street and told that I was an abomination for doing <laughs> the, that and I kind of responded with, well, when Cameron McIntosh asked me to do that, he didn't think so and he's the one that's employed me so thank you but respectfully move out of my path and get on with your day but obviously that's that's a very one in a million thing in terms of this show with social media and expectation and things there's a lot of it and there's a lot of voices and there's a lot of people who really really love the show and they have a lot to say about that and that's fine that really is fine the majority of what I see is positive because people love the show and are rooting for the show and the people in the show. There's always going to be strands of, you know, negativity. And I'm very used to that. I'm very used to it. I tend to not respond to a lot of it. Sometimes I'll do a little comedy response and then think better of it later on in the day. But uh, hey-ho, we're all human. Mm. But yeah, there's, uh, there is noise. And I hear some of it. And I choose to believe what I choose to believe, really. Hello. I listen to the audience, sorry, at the end of the day. And yeah, exactly. the audience at the end of the show are on their feet for us mm. and the whole cast in the show. And the people who may be commenting on the YouTube from, you know, their basement in Czechoslovakia, they can have their opinion too. But until they're right in front of me telling me those words, I'm not really going to believe them. Helen, to hear somebody speak so honestly about that and have that approach, it's refreshing to hear, right? Mm, absolutely. And I just, I think we're, we're just human at the end of the day. And, you know, I feel, I feel like there's a lot of noise out there about hashtag be kind and all of this, but not, many people tweet about it, but they're not, they don't actually, you know, follow up with that. And I think that's the thing I find a little bit frustrating about that sometimes is that people are very quick to judge and, and understand at the end of the day that, that we are just human and we are humans who can just put one foot in front of the other and do our very best in that moment in time and if that's not quite up to their expectation then yeah it's it's hard to navigate because we feel a lot of things of course we do we all do but with regards to social media and people saying things we are actually both people that can kind of go oh what a dick he sounds you know great good for him glad you had your say and then get on with our day and I do feel very lucky to have you around with that I think if we were having this conversation maybe even two or three years ago it it wouldn't have happened people would be like why are you talking about social media in the world of theatre but it is a very present part of it as much as people want to pretend like it isn't people online like to have their opinions and I will say because I know that you guys don't really look too much at social media but the reaction has been overwhelming okay, like to, in that's terms good. of people just saying how refreshing it is how nice it is to see two people be able to completely embody roles and go on such journeys and particularly they talk about the acting which I can imagine you're both incredibly proud of and we just take Glinda for a second mm-hmm. she goes on this journey which I think is just the genius of Winnie in the way in which she carved out this role mm-hmm. in that I think a lot of people immediately at the start of the show they like her she's in this impressive bubble she's really funny and actually as the show goes on you almost go for a dip of rejecting her Mm. then going through a sense of saying well why would she react like that Mm. but then also going on to an understanding as to why she makes certain decisions and I think 
as an actor, it's a difficult line to tread because it, you're trying to make someone understand why somebody makes certain decisions. But for you as a performer and as an actor, you're just like, this is amazing. What a character arc. It's... And I can imagine you feel quite lucky to have it. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes at the end of a two-show day, I feel like I've been hit by a bus because her highs are so high. Her lows are so low. And there's very, there's rarely much middle ground and uh, any middle ground with it. And and she she really is that whole rainbow of colours. And honestly, like, it's fantastic to get your teeth into. I think sometimes, you know, like if, if you know, you come in and you're a bit tired, it is quite hard to come out there and be the big chirpy one very quickly because there's no warm-up with her with there's no warm-up with glinda you're just in and you're off you know it's it's like being on that roller coaster you just you shoot and you're on your way like she's she's amazing and you know i think i sort of can, can kind of compare myself to her as a, a person in some ways in that you know you first meet her when she's at, she's university and she's that sort of bright-eyed bushy-tailed ready to go and explore the world and i was like that when i first joined the show and now i'm kind of like more of the glinda the good because you know i I'm 10 years older, I've got life under my belt, I'm more grounded as a person. So I I can really identify with different bits of her throughout the show. And also it's quite, I guess, exciting but also challenging as an artist because I don't think she necessarily knows some of the decisions as to why she makes the good and the bad decisions. No, and and, and she's always influenced into that decision. So like, for instance, when she gives Elphaba the hat, you know, which then becomes part of Elphaba's iconic outfit, she didn't do that intentionally to kind of to upset her or to to make laugh and jokes, you know, to, to make fun of her. You know, her little sidekicks were like, oh, go on, you should. You know, she's always, she's manipulated quite a lot because I think she's sort of seen as this little malleable bit of an airhead. Um, but but she's not. She's not that at all. She's very clever. She's very earnest. She's very... She, she knows what she's doing. And also the sort of the very, very end of the show, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but when you have that final sort of piece together just before mm. the closing chords, that's the moment when I think you truly understand the journey that Glinda goes on, which yeah. is, oh gosh, I've messed up, but I have to do what's right. And she has to do it for her. She does it... Sorry, she's just, I'm pointing at you. You can't see what I'm doing. I'm pointing my finger at Lucy Jones. <laughs> Um, she does it for for Elphaba, you know. It's it's her legacy she's taking on. That's my favourite moment of the show. Yeah, that moment that we have together, where she's back in the bubble and I'm heading off to the Badlands. And our very her. last thing that we both sing in the show is "I Have Been Changed," and I think that says it all, really. Yeah, <laughs> We've only got a few minutes left. Let's not sorry, cry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. There's just a couple more questions that I want to go through with you both, Lucy. The signature part of this role is, of course, the green. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you getting on with the green showers? Does your husband hate you yet? <laughs> she's wearing. A, green, a, a, a beige jacket today. I thought it was pretty also, punchy. I, I can see the hat. There's no green. But, uh, but no, there will like be if you look day off yesterday. If you look at the back of my shirt here, yeah, from did... last time I wore this, it's covered in green. Oh, yeah, disgusting. Do you I, not wash? I, well, I do, <laughs> but I just can't get it out of the nooks and crannies, Will. It's hard. <laughs> but, you know, I really like having it on. It's quite therapeutic, the way that it goes on and everything. It's part of my ritual for getting ready for the show now. So it's just second nature. Um, but it's very cool. It's not lost on me that I'm getting greened every day. What was the first time that you did it? Because what I love about Wicked is when you see like, like the, the actress that's going to play it, but if they've never played it before, they've never been green, the production picture doesn't come. When you first do it, and obviously I know that I think you do a makeup test before yeah. you do a full costume, what happens if you look at it and you're like, oh. I look like the what I'd call like the act one alphabets, or people like Adina and Julia Murney who have played it, who are very much the act two alphabets because they look yeah. a lot so darker with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. one do you think you are? I don't know, really, because we have such a big makeup change for Act 2. Mm. There's so, there's a lot more added there, and I get a lash, and I get a contour, and she gets a bit sexy, you know? Mm. Uh, a bit of a smoky eye going on. Um, but the makeup artists are so 
good at what they do. Um, Georgia Woodland, who did me for the photo shoot, she's been there for years, and she actually did my makeup on X Factor way back when, weirdly. Uh, she is an artist, and so I can't choose, I can't choose. She makes it work for both with my face, weirdly. But yeah, I think, I don't know. That's an interesting question, actually. Am I an act one or an act two elf? But like, in general... Because I guess people are... What do you think? Probably two. Do you reckon? Mm. Yeah. Growing into that old strength mm. yeah. and that smoky eye. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, it's nice. Are Thanks. You, are you good with frustration? Because some people, like, I just don't have that in them. But I know that particularly... Oh, no, no I'm an angry deed, gal. Like... Yeah. Oh, I, I'll draw it all out there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'll be on the receiving end of that <laughs> anger during a certain, <laughs> a certain cornfield scene. Yeah, yeah exactly. Has, have, have oh, you been I like... actually did smack you for once, Oh, yeah, didn't you I? did, yeah. That might have been our first show or something together. I, I proper really walloped around the face. We have I'm so sorry. Now's the time to apologise. Sorry for doing that, Don't darling. Don't worry, babe. I'll get you back. If she hits you tonight, it's on purpose. I know, she's way. definitely going to do it, isn't she? Um, you guys have been very kind with your time. I have just one final question for both of you. Alphabet and Glinda, the respective roles that you play. Good, bad, misunderstood. What are they? Oh, I think all of the above. I think there's elements to... Uh, I don't want to sit... Sorry, that's really sitting on the fence, but I, I honestly think no, they're a bit of everything. But with Glinda, she definitely is yeah. all of the above, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. I think Alphabet is misunderstood and good. I don't think there's bad in her. I don't think there's bad in her. Even the kind of... in Glinda. Yeah, there is a tiny, like, shred of her is is not, you know, inherently good. But she changes that by the end of the story. By the end, you're right. I think the only bit of Alphabet that could be deemed to be bad is the, you know, the love interest angle. But I really think she's so naive to it all that she doesn't really know what's happening to her. Mm. And I'm Not That Girl for me is very much first time all of these things are happening and it, she's kind of shocked by it. And so when then he, he comes to the train station in the following scene and uh, he's there, obviously, to kind of see them both and he gives flowers to Alpha, I've, I'm really trying to play that in, what's happening here? And so it's not like a, oh, God, I'm doing a really bad thing and, you know, falling in love she's with my mate Sky. She's not, she's not aware no. of it. No. Um, so, yeah, I think good and misunderstood. What are you, Will? What am I of, of the above? Yeah. Oh, bad always. <laughs> That's what I am. I'm wicked. Yay! What a place to end. Really? <laughs> That's so awful. I'm so sorry we had to end on that note. Um, Lucy Helen, thank you so much. Good luck with the show. Thanks, I'm looking darling. forward to finally seeing you both in it. But just thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank, thank you. you. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.